Well, we did it, Jer. We finally did it. We are we are officially known as the legitimate podcast because we got into a Twitter beef with an actual legitimate fantasy expert. How's it feel? Expert's a funny word. You can throw it around for pretty much anything. <laughs> I've been called expert uh, on how to make my way through Cedar Point. I've been called expert on um, selecting the right Oreo flavor. Oh, it's a funny word. You just, you just don't you got to use it lightly. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny that what would happen. Um, it should be mentioned. Yeah, we'll get into uh, my my fight with Matthew Berry over Twitter real quick. But first, I want to introduce our guest tonight, distinguished guest, friend MZ of the pod, 18. Well, friend of the pod, family of the pod, MZ eighteen. Welcome to the week six, week seven fantasy football never ending glory podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to get after it. Let's talk some fantasy. Let's have some fun. And most of all, let's give the viewers some W. That's, that's what we're here for. Hey, find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Search for us on Facebook, on uh, iTunes, on SoundCloud, Never Ending Glory Podcast. And, of course, check out our partner pods, NEG Pod, MLB. They cover all things baseball. We have the Tribe in the World Series, baby. How about right. that, huh? And then, of course, NEG Pod, CFB on Twitter to go uh, all picks, uh, fan, or college football. Make sure you check out uh, Farky's Faves. And then, of course, you know, tonight I'm sipping on a little Buckeye vodka, you know, to get my mind right while I get ready to uh, to ride on Matthew Berry here. So, Jerry, I want you to give me literally five minutes open mic, and, and that's all I need. And then people, listen, if you want to fast forward this, if you're sick and tired of my ranting, that's fine. Just fast forward five minutes, and we'll get ready for the hot sports takes. All right. So is that okay with you, Jerry? Is that yeah, okay with you, Mark? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start the clock. I want to play Nas, one mic. All I need is one <laughs> mic. All right. So for those who missed the fireworks, 1130 on Sunday night, uh, Matthew Berry of ESPN fame and I got into a bit of a Twitter beef over a, a pretty soft comment that I made to him. Uh, the gist of it was Berry tweeted out that even with Roethlisberger being out with a meniscus injury that requires surgery, Antonio Brown will still be a stud. So I looked at that tweet and I kind of responded verbatim and said, Antonio is stud? Question mark. Did you see what he did last year with Landry and Michael Vick? It was disgusting. Cookie cutter fantasy take there, Barry. End quote. I didn't think there's really anything wrong with that comment until my phone received a notification that Matthew Barry retweeted my original tweet saying that he never mentioned Michael Vick and actually linked to the box score of the game from last season when Landry Jones started against the Chiefs and Antonio Brown went six for 124. He also told me something along the lines of checking the stats before I come at him. So whatever. And, you know, honestly, I didn't have that info offhand at 1130 at night when I responded because I remembered having, but I did remember having Antonio Brown last season and feeling my blood pressure go up as I watched the pathetic quarterback situation of the Steelers once Big Ben was not in. Uh, you know, I pretty much, I also remembered watching the preseason game against the Eagles where Landry Jones threw four interceptions. So I said to myself, Antonio Brown will not be a stud. That is a weak take by one of quote unquote fantasy's biggest experts on the internet. And I will respectfully respond to him without swearing at him like most trolls do. And so we actually went back and forth for a bit, but he ended up being butthurt because I used the term cookie cutter, which actually blows my mind that cookie cutter would make somebody so upset in 2016. He said I called him lazy, which just wasn't true. I, I called him cookie cutter. And maybe he mistook how I said disgusting. And eventually I got blocked for being negative and quote unquote name calling, which is just so incredibly pathetic. It's not even funny. But what ended up happening was his fanboys really brought this whole thing to a whole, on a whole other level. And I'll get to them in a second. 
But first, I really want to talk about the hard-hitting analysis from Matthew Berry, fantasy football guru and expert. And I say that very loosely. So he says Antonio Brown is still going to be a stud because he went for 6 for 124 against the Chiefs last year with Landry Jones under center for the whole game. That is not a sample size whatsoever that you can state that Antonio Brown will now be a stud moving forward with Landry Jones during an extended period of time. He also neglects to mention that Landry came in the week prior and Antonio Brown finished with two catches for 24 yards. He also fails to mention how badly Landry Jones looked in the preseason throwing four interceptions in one game. Now, the Barry fanboys are actually chirping to me that the preseason really doesn't mean anything, which is true for Big Ben and Antonio Brown, but you better believe that Landry Jones needs those preseason reps. So, with preseason action, he finished with a 74 QB rating, and that's the last time we saw him play football. We don't know if he has regressed or gotten better since that game against Kansas City last season. So, really, the 6 for 124 is a moot point if you, look at, if, if, if you ask me. Now, this season, Antonio Brown's been averaging seven catches for 70 yards and just under a touchdown over the course of the season with Big Ben. So the numbers from Brown so far versus his one game with Landry Jones mentioned by Matthew Berry in most leagues are a wash or pretty close to it. So you're saying, Matthew Berry, that Antonio Brown will still yield six to eight catches and get a ton of yards but won't find the end zone? I, I don't get your prediction here because guess what? It's vague and cookie cutter. You're essentially saying that nothing will change now that Landry Jones is playing instead of top five fantasy quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. That is just not true and just simply cannot be justified. In fact, it's absolutely ignorant in the terms of our good friend Sean. If the stats would be one and the same, we'd have a quarterback controversy in Pittsburgh, and obviously we're not there. So here's my take on the Steelers situation, and then I'll get into Matthew Berry and his cronies in a second. Landry Jones sucks, and because Landry Jones sucks and will be throwing football to an elite Antonio Brown for an undetermined amount of time, uh, there's rumors out there that Ben could miss one game or four to six weeks, the now elite Antonio Brown will suffer from the poor quarterback play. He is no longer a must-start stud, and honestly, would you be shocked if Bill Belichick made Landry Jones' life hell on Sunday, much like what he did to Brock Osweiler, Jerry Burris' favorite quarterback in the NFL? Listen, if he does, you better believe that Antonio Brown, his stats will suffer suffer to, from it. And, you know, much to my chagrin, I'm still starting Antonio Brown this week, and I'm just absolutely praying that I still get wide receiver one numbers from him. However, I'm not expecting the stud numbers that I projected him to score when I took him first overall, thinking Big Ben will be quarterback. Now, real quick, let's get into the Matthew Barry and his fanboys, because that was just what really irked me and just gotten this whole thing started. You know, he's a great fantasy writer, and he should absolutely be given credit for being a huge reason why fantasy football has been thrust into the mainstream. He can obviously be found on the biggest sports network in the world and deserves to be there, considering his body of work and what really ESPN expects from the writers and broadcasters. Now, with that being said, though, I'm not really in the wheelhouse of his ideal reader. Now, see, Matthew Berry's main audience are those people who just got into fantasy football and base their starting lineup on whatever he says. You know, maybe they won a game or two, and that's why they hold this weird allegiance to him. I, I really don't know. But it, Matthew Berry and ESPN.com has gotten so lazy and cookie cutter that they just released their top six waiver wire pickups for week seven. Those players were Cameron Meredith, Marcus Mariota, Jay Ajayi, James White, Hunter Henry, and Cole Beasley. I mean, other than Ajayi, those available options were gone last week at a minimum or drafted in most leagues and have been rostered ever since. Oh, and Matthew Berry's hard-hitting lead-in to his Week 6 love-hate article was about the art of trading. Thanks a lot for that. You see, Matthew, that is exactly why I call you and your network cookie-cutter.
Now, the part that really, really irked me, and I swear to God, we're wrapping this up soon. You know, those coming out of the woodwork to defend Barry and the and then tweeting their supportive words uh, to him. Get a life. Honestly, you all sounded like such pathetic losers. I mean, what is your end game? Do you think that Matthew's going to read those words of support and then DM you his hot fantasy takes that you should start Julio Jones every week? Please, just use common sense to figure that one out. You don't need to also wash his balls. Now, in conclusion, while you probably don't believe it, Matthew and the fanboys, I actually know a lot about fantasy football, and so does the rest of the NeverEnding Glory podcast. I've been playing fantasy for well over 15 years and have been writing for it for over five. In fact, you know, if I had 40 hours a week to spend on this hobby, quit my full-time job and have the resources of ESPN at my disposal, I guarantee that I'd be writing for a much larger site and have a much bigger following. But, you know, everybody makes makes decisions. And by the way, thank you very much, Matthew, for that tweet where you sounded very condescending about our little podcast and website. Real cute. You're the one who said that, uh, you know, we got to keep things positive here in the industry. But, hey, I know we put out great content, so we'll continue to grow and we will continue to put out great content. Now, listen, Matthew, if someone disagrees with your comment and does it in a way that doesn't come at you personally, be a man and have a conversation. Am I annoyed that I was blocked? Yeah, I I am. But nobody wants to be that guy. But honestly, I wasn't being that guy. And in the end, it's not a total loss. I can decide whether or not I should have Tom Brady in my starting lineup. I don't need your, te- your tweets telling me that. Sincerely, Luke Grilly at lgrilly88. Hey, how about that? Man, I thought you had good tempo, good flow. I thought you went at him. I don't know why Matt Barry got all big time, too. And I don't know what league he's in. That those guys are still sitting dead red on the waiver wire, but I'm gonna give that I'm gonna give that fight to you. He might have he might have won round one, Luke, but I'm giving you three, four, five, six, seven, and you put him down in the ninth. <laughs> Check the card. Check the card. I think it was definitely uh, articulate, well said. It was it was you buttoned it up. You really did. You know my my thing my whole thing with this thing, and I I was riled up. Monday night or Sunday night going to Monday night or whenever it was. I, I didn't go to sleep till like one thirty in the morning because I was just going through things that I could say about Matthew Berry. And there was a lot worse that was in there and, and I edited that out to you know, I'm I'm trying to be professional about it. I'm not trying to be a little butthurt kid like he was. But to say that somebody's tweets are cookie cutter, to say that Antonio Brown is going from being a stud to a slightly lesser stud because Landry Jones is his quarterback, not Ben Roethlisberger, is one of the most ignorant tweets and one of the most just basic, generic, vanilla, blah, tapioca tweets you could throw out there. It's just, it's pathetic. It's sad. And and then, and then you're right. To say that, hey, guys, you should pick up Cam Meredith on your waiver wire. He had 11 catches two weeks ago. He's way, well off. Any waiver wire that had more than eight teams. And if, if eight teams is your standard, then you don't deserve to be considered a, an expert in the fantasy football league, if you ask me. But um, that came straight from the heart, fellas. You know, I appreciate the support. Uh, you know, like maybe Taylor Swift song. You really poured it all out there. <laughs> maybe one of these days we'll have Matthew Berry on and we can uh, have a nice little spirited debate about the uh, you know his tweeting habits and, and whether or not Antonio Brown is going to be a stud. But I did get blocked from him. However, the Never Ending Glory podcast Twitter handle did not get blocked by him. So you better believe it that once Antonio Brown has his first three catch for 30-yard game, you know we will be tweeting at him saying, hey, is he still a stud now? Is he still a stud now? Um, you know, it's it's it was just ridiculous. Um, 
he had very thin skin, and I don't think he really liked that comment. When I told me he had thin skin, his fanboys didn't like that either. Told me I had to lighten up a little bit. And it was just, it was sad. But, hey, you know what? That's in the past. But let's talk about the week six point pounders. Really quick, couple- Luke. Really quick, because no. I have to got? end. I got to ask this. A couple things with Matthew Barry. One, you're right on this, too. And two, I don't, I don't think you guys should ever have him on the show. Okay? Who, 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 who died and made this guy the king? I mean, okay. he has 860,000 Twitter followers. I wouldn't mind okay. having New York him. Times bestseller. Yeah, that's a, that's a high school kid's argument. That's Give fine. Twitter I, followers. I look at the now, stats. Yes, guess what? Luke, if you were hired by ESPN and they put you on live television, you get you get 50,000 Twitter followers all overnight. Okay, the so difference is just, I'm not. I'm not, though. That's but, the problem. But that's the only reason he has this because he's got the network on him. It doesn't mean he's got more than you, more knowledge than you. No, but I'm no. not totally on board with that guy. And, and I'll be honest with you, put him in our league with with competitive Ooh. players, and I want to see how he reacts. I want to see how he, who he drafts and everything. I want to see if this guy's hot shit. He'd never make it in, through our draft. No, the, the pressure's way too high. I barely make it. I'm glad it's only once a year. I mean, uh, he, just, he, he currently is in the uh, the Howard Stone the Howard Stern Fantasy Football League, and I'm trying to uh, to bring it up real quick to see. Uh, they, they only have his draft, so they don't have the current um, – the current records, but I would love to see that. Well, why don't we do this uh, when uh, when Conley goes, you know, over the season? We can ask if you'd like <laughs> to join. There you dude, go. If I was, if, dude, if I was literally in the Howard Stern Fantasy Football League, I, I you could, I guarantee where I'd be in December. Come on now, <laughs> Howard Stern, like that guy's putting work in for it. Oh, it's not Howard Stern; it's his staff. But I will, you know, I'll say this. Here's the thing. Matthew Berry, what I do appreciate about him is is he grinded. He was one of the originals. He's kind of like Bill Simmons being the original um, comedic sports blogger uh, to make it big. And, you know, Matthew Berry's put in his work. He's done a pretty good job of doing that. But it kind of gets to a point where your shtick just isn't your, – your, your readers and your viewers kind of get past you. And and the the content and the 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 – Hard-hitting sports takes that you're giving, just they're not good enough anymore. And he's catering to uh, the the it's like the pop culture crowd. He's catering to a larger market of people who are newer to the fantasy football game, and that's fine. I have nothing wrong with that. And to be honest, I don't blame him for getting a little butt hurt for somebody questioning his. Well, takes. that's I'm cookie sure. cutter. I'm That's well, right, cutter. right, and I'm sure. See, the thing is, I'm sure he hears it and he hears much worse things. And that was kind of my point that if cookie cutter is going to be, I call it the new C-word of 2016 after I got blocked by him. If that's what's really going to ruffle your feathers, then there, his, his block list is probably bigger than his than who follows him. Because what I see, what I said I thought was very safe, but it, it started a discussion, which is what I wanted to have. And we had a discussion, and he decided to kind of take his ball and go home, which is fine. Again, I don't I don't need Matthew Berry to tell me to pick up. I I, I watch Red Zone every Sunday, and I get to see who I should pick up every week. And I do it based on my analysis. And while I wish I had uh, 860,000 followers on Twitter that I could extend that analysis to, I don't. So, you know, you have to give him some props here. But at the same time, what he did, uh, he looked like a little bitch on Sunday. And, and hey, that's fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, but let's let's move on. Let's talk week six point pounders. Uh, a lot of guys put up big numbers this week. The first one, Drew Brees, 465 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. This is against the Carolina Panthers. 
Mark, how bad is this Panthers team now? They are pathetic. I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, are we talking about the team or are we talking fantasy here with them? I mean, the fantasy, they're fine because if you have Cam Noon, that's great. He's still going to get you QB1 numbers. But I'm just saying in general, I mean, is it really – did Josh – I mean, remember, Carolina Panthers' defense was a well-sought-after defense in, in fantasy drafts. They were considered a top-five defense after how dominant they were last year. So is it all Josh Norman leaving, or is there more to this? So they just – No, not, there's, I, there's so yeah. much more to this. I mean, look how they drafted. I thought they were trying to draft a lot on the D-line. I mean, then they, they drafted the dude out of Louisiana Tech, that D-lineman. Uh, but I'm telling you, they I think they drafted a dude out of Louisiana Tech, the D-lineman. But they, they were uh, – they were having D-line issues prior to this. And let's not forget, two years ago, they lost Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy then went to the Cowboys, and now he's out of the league. And he was a solid player for them. And last year, they grinded and got by and everything because they're, they're secondary. Now you lose a good player from the D-line. He's gone for sure. Then you lose the corner that took care of a lot of business. And your offense isn't dominating like what it, what it used to. And what helps the defense a ton is when the offense is on the field. Right. Take away those all of those things. You're getting an unbalanced team, and let's be honest, their division's playing a lot better this year than what they were supposed to. The Falcons are playing great football this year. The Saints came back, bounced back. They're playing solid football. The Bucks, not so much, but still right there, you know, and they got a tough schedule. Denver right. to open the season? Come on. Yeah, and so, so I, and I think the big thing is you have to expect some sort of regression from that offense, but it was kind of surprising because they brought back Kelvin Benjamin. So I guess that might show that a lot of guys like Ted Ginn or Philly Brown kind of stepped up, or Corey Brown as he goes by now, maybe stepped up and uh, played played above what their ceiling really is uh, a few times last year. So, uh, But Drew Brees lit it up, 465 for four. I had him in the league, got me 40 points. It was pretty awesome. Pretty much won me the week. Did typical Drew Brees stuff that you expect from him. Um, Jerry LaShawn McCoy, 140 yards, three touchdowns, and then added in two receptions for two yards. Um, did you see that knee injury he went down with? It was pretty scary. Yeah, it was scary. I mean, because he was so, showing some serious shake that game. It, it was kind of yeah. like the throwback to the first year with Chip Kelly and the Eagles. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, it's, it's pretty gruesome to come in. Hopefully it's just going to be something that, you know, takes a little bit of time and he's back. But um, it well, looked like it, it could have been was, way worse than it actually is. It looked like it was a season ender because he, he clutched his knee as he was going down. Uh, it was pretty scary for those who had him in fantasy. Uh, but he came back in the game and yeah. and continued to play. I think he scored again after the fact, and he did his little shady dance, which I really love. Uh, the little I don't even know how to. He just kind of rocks back and forth with his hands. But Lashawn lit it up, just barely outscored David Johnson in most formats. But you got to watch out because uh, today he did suffer a hamstring injury, and that's putting Sunday's game up uh, uh, his status up in the air for Sunday. Right. So keep an eye on that. He's had hamstring injuries in the past. And um, that that could be scary because LaShawn McCoy has been arguably the best running back in fantasy football this year. He's definitely in the top three or top two. Um, and if he's out on Sunday, a lot of teams are really going to struggle, not only fantasy teams, but also the Bills. Uh, and then the wide receiver point pounder of the week, his day was saved by a 75-yard touchdown and a 66-yard game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Your boy, your wide receiver one, Odell Beckham in our league. Um, beautiful game from him. It looked didn't look good after the first half. He only think he only had one catch for like ten yards into the first half, but he absolutely lit up uh, the secondary in the second half. And like I said, finished with eight for two twenty two and two. And he's actually on pace for the most yards in his career. Um, 
so far five games in. So Odell Beckham, definitely a huge night. And uh, for those who picked him in the first round, they're finally you know, reaping the benefits of that. Uh, consolation point pounders, Case Keenum out of nowhere, 321 yards, three touchdowns uh, passing, one touchdown running. Vultured at least two touchdowns from me, which uh, for my boy Todd Gurley, which really frustrated me. I did not like that. The touchdown was, it was a rollout that he ran for, uh, I think it was his third or fourth touchdown. It was a rollout just from the one-yard line, really pissed me off. And then Jerry, your boy, Jay Ajayi, what are your thoughts nowhere. on him? Sitting on my bench. Um, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't put up, I think, more than three points since the Browns game when he scored that game winner in overtime. Um, that was unexpected because he doesn't fit the mold of their offense. They want to be more of that spread and more of the zone cut guy. Um, and he's a little bit more of a dot the eye back. I don't know what to make of it. It's, it's, I'm going to start him this week because I just to. think you have to. Yeah. Um, you can't deny a 200-yard game as an offensive coordinator. You have to you have to give him the ball and let him try it again. Unless you're the Patriots and Jonas Gray runs for yeah, 200 yards. Yeah, he gets yards. fired. <laughs> <laughs> then he gets cut. He's selling cars um, the next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last week everybody saw Arian Foster coming back, so they thought that Ajayi was going to be a forgotten man. But uh, he had, a, I think it was like a 64-yard touchdown, and then he also had a one-yard plunge. Uh, very, very um, impressive game from Ajayi against the Steelers, whose defense is solid, not spectacular, but good enough, and he probably shouldn't have had 200 yards against him. But right. He but, did, um, but going forward, yeah. he's a, he's a high risk RB two. At the yeah, that's his highest ceiling. Yeah, I like that. I mean, there's still a lot of running backs in that in that backfield. Uh, Damian Williams, Arian Foster, obviously, and now Ajayi are all going to be splitting time. Uh, according to Matthew Berry, he's a waiver wire ad this week. So if you can get him, I guess try to pick him up. Uh, I mean, if you can find him on a waiver wire in your league, then you <laughs> you're playing with a bunch of idiots in a very very shallow league. Um, Mark, why? your boy. Why, you gotta... why? Really quick, why? Why? Uh, what's going on with Adam Gase? Like, don't you know what you have in Jay Ajaji before the season starts to to get to this point and, well, and have him bust out? Why are they? Why is Arian Foster even on the roster? Well, I think because well, remember because you know Ajaji as you're now making me call him, um, he was pouting when Arian Foster was number one. And I don't think Gase just didn't want to give him the the, the job. He wasn't just going to say it's yours, it's now take it. He wanted him to work for it. And this is the two running backs league now, and you have to have a second capable running back. And after they lost Lamar Miller, um, they needed somebody else. And on top of that, Ajayi has now had – he has a bum knee too. That's the reason why he, he, he um, fell so far in the draft. He should have been – he had the talent to be a second round pick, but he fell to fifth because I guess he had. I don't think he has like any cartilage in one of his knees or something like that. So. Well, no, no, I, I remember him out of Boise State. He, he didn't run great. Okay, his, his you remember two thousand yards? No, he. I mean, his workout. No, no, no. Maybe, I'm talking. I'm, oh, I'm talking about pre-draft workouts. What I pay attention to. He didn't run great. He wasn't explosive out of cuts, and and the scouts didn't fall in love with him at that time. But my thing is, okay, you want him to work for the starting position. Fine. Set a precedent to make him work for it. If you don't want to give it to him, fine. It doesn't mean you sign a guy that's coming off Achilles surgery, back, knee, hip. Right. I mean, Ar- Arian Foster's like 31, what, 31, 32? I mean, he, his body's shot. No one wanted him. And you're like, oh, 
I don't want to give the position to Jay, Jay Ajaji, but I'm going to bring in Arian Foster and give the position to him. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's a little off the fantasy take. That's a knock on Adam Gase because I think he's doing the worst job in the NFL. But I, I just don't get it. it. I mean, this week seemed to be the exact opposite of everything that we thought was going to happen in fantasy football. And we thought Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown would light it up. One gets hurt. The other guy doesn't get going. And then, you know, Jay Ajayi runs for over 200. So who knows with this week especially. Yeah, it, it happens. I mean, we, yeah. can, debate, yeah. we can debate why – Adam Gase does what he does for for hours upon end because it, it is mind boggling. Um, but I, I don't want the viewers already fell asleep during my rant, so uh, I want to move on from this. But your boy Lamar Miller had another workhorse game. Had a late ten yard touchdown where they did the the. the New age stats, and they found out that he actually ran for 40-plus yards before he got in the end zone. Um, really impressive game by Lamar Miller. Again, he's been the best free agent signing that team has made all offseason. Uh, obviously, Brock Osweiler, he's really struggled at, as at quarterback. And Lamar Miller, is they're centering their offense around him. Even DeAndre Hopkins really can't get going. Uh, but there's some other Week 6 Noble performances I want to talk about. My favorite one so far in, in week six to see was Ty Montgomery for the Green Bay Packers. And if you look at his stat sheet, you see that he had a ton of catches and you figure, oh, well, he's just, you know, running out of the slot and just played well. And, and, but if you actually watch the game, they had the Packers had a banged up Eddie Lacy, James Starks was out, and they had no other running backs on the roster whatsoever. So they decided, let's take one of our smaller wide receivers, line him up as running back, and then just dump the ball off to him out of the backfield. And it worked out great. Um, you know, Lacey's out for a few weeks. James Stark's out for four weeks after knee surgery. And the Packers just signed Niall Davis, who isn't very can't catch the ball. So, Mark, do you think that Ty Montgomery here is going to carve out a role as a pass catching back in Green Bay? Well, I, I don't think he's – I think he's a good pickup. And in Dynasty, I thought he was a really solid pickup – I think Geo put 63 on him, which was a great move. I think Montgomery can do some things here or there. I think he was thrust into the position last week to a position that he's not necessarily going to play. They have a kid. And what's funny about this is, and I don't want to go too long, but two weeks ago I was watching them. Lacey looked terrible. And people didn't believe me when I said this. He looks terrible. He looks fat again. He can't hit holes. He's killing them. Okay, they need a scat back in their backfield. He could light it up. So then I started looking on their roster. James Starks was the only other running back on the roster. James Starks dinged up, and you know, and I all everyone knows. Okay, watching the Packers, they love to build from within. Okay, so you look in the practice squad. They got a running back there out of Nevada. He was on their uh, training camp team. Got cut. They brought him back. Signed in practice squad. Five foot ten, two hundred and seven pounds. Don Jackson out of Nevada, scat back type guy. They like him. They like to build within, and that's why in fantasy in the dynasty league we picked him up two and a half weeks ago. As and he wasn't even on the program at first. Then they got him on there because I think the program and all these other Yahoo and all these other places were like, oh, this guy might end up having a role here. So I think he's a guy that can make some plays if given the opportunity. And Ty Montgomery. With the running back ability that he's going to get, he's a good third starter because if he gets five carries, 20 yards, 
that's just adding two to three points to whatever catches he gets or anything. So if he gets five for 40 and then five carries, you're looking at a solid nine to 11 points from your WR3, which is totally, totally acceptable. Now, the only thing about Ty Montgomery here, though, is he did have a um, he did have a rush up, up the middle, and you could tell he wasn't a running back because he fumbled at the instant he got hit. So I think that while he's great, and at the time they needed him to play running back, I think he's a great option receiving out of the backfield. I, I really like what you're saying about Don Jack Don Jackson, right? Yeah, Don, Don Jackson. Jackson. Um, you know, they, they promoted him up from the practice squad. He got first team reps this week. I definitely think we're going to see a lot of him on Thursday. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Niall Davis on Thursday because – you bring a guy in and he doesn't know the full the full playbook and with an Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers led offense where they they love the the fast paced high tempo no huddle offense you need to know the playbook so yeah. as long as Don Jackson can know the playbook and Ty Montgomery who also knows the playbook you think um, as long as they are there, I think they're both going to be fancy relevant for the next few weeks. Um, and it's too bad to see Eddie Lacy go down because you're right, he is a little still a little little bit big, but he still he was. He looked athletic for a big guy, and it, 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 that's the frustrating thing about him because he was hurtling players like multiple times with a bad this. ankle. I got to ask you this. Why would you make the trade in Dynasty? You gave up a 2018 first-rounder, which is probably more valuable than your 2017 first-rounder, seeing where you're at this year. Why would you give up a, for Eddie Lacy? I, I'm confused. I mean, I'm, I'm arguably one of the favorites to win the league So um, for the next few years, considering I have a very young core. Um so yes. I'm so I'm assuming that so pretty much the reason why I did it was and we're going a little bit off topic but that's fine. Um, I needed a solid running back that could be my third string running back behind Todd Gurley and Lamar Miller, and I figure getting a guy that's guaranteed 15 to 20 touches every game, no matter what, is pretty valuable, and I'd rather have that than some lotto ticket that could be great in two years while I'm trying to win a championship this year next. So. Okay. That's why now, I did it. Now, who, what team is Eddie Lacy going to be on next year? I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent. The right. guy's overweight, and, and Green Bay doesn't like him. He's got an injury plague. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually think that Eddie Lacy might not have a team going into the beginning of next year. The Colts I would a crazy take. The Colts would love to have him. Yeah. He, why? He, he would just slow everything down. <laughs> you know, honestly, the Colts Mark, I don't... love overweight Alabama running backs. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> Mark, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I really don't. I just think that um, I'm trying to win this league now, and to have Eddie Lacy as your third running back for a piece that you might not be starting for you because I have a ton of young players um, at every position other than tight end. You know, I, I don't really care about my 2018 first round pick. It's going to be uh, hopefully, you know, between eight and 14. So I think it was a very worthwhile investment on a guy who I 26 year old running back who I thought was going to be healthy the rest of the way. And obviously kind of bit me in the ass when he went down with a multi week ankle injury. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's well worth it. And if, if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. I also I don't value first round picks all that much in Dynasty. Um Again, we're going off topic, but we're still good fancy football advice. Um, Unless they got Wild Wild West in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I do own his pick. He scored 30 points last week. Um, you know, I, there's no sure thing. I mean, Laquan Treadwell last year was considered a, a can't-miss wide receiver prospect coming out of college, and he's been a game-day inactive for the first three weeks of the season. Um, and we've seen 
many wide receivers as rookies come in and dominate. Odell Beckham, Kelvin Benjamin, just to name two right there. Jordan Matthews was fantastic as a rookie. Um, so rookies are so hit or miss that I'd rather get a guy who's a thousand yard multi touchdown guy in a very good offense like Green Bay. Granted, they are struggling, but I made the trade thinking that they would right the ship eventually. Didn't expect the ankle to really come into play. So that's why. Um, next, next, talking about older running backs who are coming off an injury, we got Spencer Ware versus Jamal Charles. Jerry, which way are you going between these two players? Because we thought this was Jamal Charles's week to come back and just grab a hold of the Kansas City running back uh, backfield. And Spencer Ware out-touched him 24-9. to So where, what's your thought process on where to go with the Chiefs? I think it's going to start evening up um, against New Orleans this week. You know, Spencer Ware had 24 carries compared to uh, Jamal Adelaide having nine. Uh, Receiving-wise, is pretty even two catches to two catches. Um, but I think New Orleans doesn't really stop the run, and I think this is a week that they can kind of bring Charles along, maybe get double-digit touches uh, in the running game. And, you know, obviously he's a threat throwing the ball. This, you know, we might see a fit. I'm not going to say a 50 50 split. I don't think they're ready to just start uh, going there. But, you know, if they get a little bit of a rhythm, they get a long drive going, who knows? But when it's all said and done, I bet it's going to be closer to 50 50 than uh, it was this week. Okay. So, Mark, I um, I traded Spencer Ware a few weeks ago heading into the bye, thinking that coming out of the bye, uh, Jamal Charles was going to be the, the go to guy. Was it too early for me to trade Spencer Ware, or did I still kind of sell him at the right time? Yeah, I don't know. He, obviously, I like where you're selling him because his value is where it needs to be. And it might taper down a tiny bit, but I think he's the guy in between the tackles for him. I think Jamal Charles's days of running in between the tackles are, are pretty much over. And I actually, I really like what Andy Reid's doing, kind of creating that two-back system. Spencer were more of a thunder-type guy, and then, uh, you know, Charles being more of a guy that can make big plays and stuff. So, you know... Is it maybe a tough thing for you to sell them? Um, matters what you got and everything else. But uh, and if if you're deep in running back and you need a wide receiver help, then it's probably the right thing to do. Right, right. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Jamal Charles and Spencer Ware moving forward. Jerry, I, I tend to agree with you that they're going to be coming closer to a 50-50 split. But at the same time, Mark, I really like what you're saying that you know maybe Jamal Charles becomes the, more of the pass catching back and they focus on that because. He's shown that he's a very, very good pass catching back. Um, averages right around 50 receptions a season. Um, keeps him in the P- in the RB one situation or conversation year in year out in PPR leagues. And he's explosive. I mean, he can make a play with or without. Uh, you know, obviously he's 30 years old now and he's got a bum ACL or recovered ACL. Um, so you know, I like Spencer Ware. Jamal Charles still has that name brand to him, though, that you could probably get a lot more in trade value for Jamal Charles than you could for Spencer Ware, which is always an interesting thing to kind of take a look at the trade value uh, versus production. But speaking of a guy that's got great trade value right now, and I'm conflicted on what to do with him, and Mark, you got him rostered right now. You drafted him in the uh, probably, what, ninth round in our league? Uh, James White, now with Tom Brady back. Eight catches, 47 yards, two receiving touchdowns. And in the past two weeks with Tom Brady, he's had 12 catches in two games versus 13 catches in four games without Brady. So what are you doing with James White right now with Deion Lewis's um, arrival potentially on the horizon? Well, I got a, I got an offer for James White. 
that was decent. Uh, not a great offer. I like holding on to him right now where I'm at. Um, I think that he has some this, some decent value for my squad. Now, obviously, I have Lamar Miller and DeMarco Murray. I drafted probably the best in the league in terms of running backs. You can't find a better running back combo than those two guys right now. Uh, so I think James White really holds down that R, that RB3 for me. But you're right. He's got some good value. And if, if someone needs a running back, I, and, and maybe I can upgrade a wide receiver position. I'm I'm right where I need to be, or maybe bump up a quarterback position. Uh, we'll see. But Luke, you watch him play. Is Deion Lewis just going to come in and take James White's carries or or James White's catches when James White's playing well and probably creating a rapport with Brady that Brady loves? Mm-hmm. You know, honestly. Um... I'm a big James White fan. However, I'm a bigger Deion Lewis fan. Uh, Deion Lewis, so they both can do the same thing. They're both great at catching the ball out of the backfield and being a reliable target for Tom Brady. The difference is, is Deion Lewis is so much more dynamic than James White is. You know, Deion Lewis makes moves that y- you break your ankles sitting on the couch watching him break your ankles. I mean, he is, and that's why he tore his ACL, just cutting side to side over and over again. It's like, did you ever play Game Day 97 back in uh, on PlayStation, where if you juke so many times, your guy popped his hamstring? Hey, that's pretty much, Dion Lewis just jukes so <laughs> many never times. never a, a video game guy break anything because they <laughs> overused him. No, he would, he'd, if you just kept on just like juking over and over and over again, like 15 times, he'd eventually go down with a bum hamstring. But that's essentially what Deion Lewis did. Is he just kept on cutting, 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 and then that ankle, the, uh, the ACL tendon went. and um, Or ligament, I'm sorry, not tendon. And, uh, you know, so what he brought to the Patriots offense is just if, if James White's a 7, Deion Lewis is a 10. However, with that being said, we all know that Deion Lewis is – injury history is is well known and he just can't stay on the field much like what they do with Gronk and his phantom hamstring injury I really think that they're at least going to wait until the week 9 bye and then in week 10 when they come back they might start filtering him a little bit here and there into the offense but I don't think you'll ever see James White truly go away because Deion Lewis is so unreliable health wise James White will have some sort of role in this team week in, week out. And in typical Patriot way, there could be one week where he has eight catches for 47 yards and two touchdowns. And then there could be a week where he has two catches for 20 yards. And that's it because Brady's spreading the ball around to Gronk, to Martellus Bennett, Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. I mean, Malcolm Mitchell. There's a ton of weapons on that offense. So I like James White. I think you definitely have to start him week in, week out. If you can, if you can live with starting him as your flex that's great. If you can start him as your wide receiver or your running back two, you're good. If he's your RB one, you might be in a little bit of trouble. But again, long story short, I don't expect them to to give Dion Lewis the reins right away. He's not practicing right now when he's eligible to come off the PUP, which is a very big concern considering he had uh, a cleanup uh, surgery on his knee or procedure on his knee, and we really haven't heard much from him since, which just never is a good thing, even in New England. Um, and Now, the, the guy I want to talk about who really struggled last week, and we kind of alluded to him earlier, and I'm heavily invested him, in him, and not only in our league, but in a few leagues over my fantasy football landscape this year, but Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Jerry, what do we do with Aaron Rodgers? Well, watching that game... 
he looks like he's pressing. And he's pressing in a way because I don't think Jordy Nelson is back to 100% yet. Back to where he was before he blew out his, his knee for the, what, the second time. Um, he's got no running game. He's relying on guys like, like uh, Richard Rodgers at tight end position. This team is not as talented as, as it used to be. Um, that's, that's a big problem. And, and he's not a killer because of it. He's still an elite quarterback. Do not deny that. And if you're heavily invested in it, week to week he might get you that five touchdown game and, and fantasy wise that's great, but that might not that might not get them in the playoffs. Um, right. So I, I it's hard to say what the, the magic bullet is that'll fix this team. Um, but you gotta hope it starts the running game. Getting that going, I think Mark's right. They gotta get a little bit more of a scat back jitterbug type and and get the big man out of there. No, I agree. I mean Last year we saw it. Eddie Lacy was pretty much worthless, and James Starks is James Starks. So that really didn't help them much either. Then with the Jordy Nelson injury, uh, the offense really relied on Randall Cobb, who he proved to us that he's not a true number one wide receiver. But now this year, they're back to health on the wide receiver depth chart. Like you said, though, Jer, is Jordy Nelson fully back? He doesn't look, he doesn't like, look it. like it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But, you know, right now, I, I, I'm stuck with – I'm playing you this week, Jer, and I got Aaron Rodgers versus Chicago tomorrow night, or I have Andy Dalton versus the Browns. And then in another league, I have Rodgers or I have uh, Derek Carr versus Jacksonville. And to be perfectly honest, I'm torn on – I'm considering benching Aaron Rodgers in favor of Andy Dalton or Derek Carr this week. It's gotten that bad. Now, if this was a Sunday game, I'd think a little bit differently – but I just have this Thursday night games, and I just never vibe. You know, it's, no, it, they it don't. Seems it, it, and, and it doesn't not work for fantasy. And so I'm I'm very very tempted to bench my third round pick, Aaron Rodgers, for Andy Dalton this week. Don't do it. Don't overcoach. Now I'll, I'll give you. You might have a start in Andy Dalton just because he could light up the Browns. I'll give you that. But do not overdo it and go start. Air, uh, go start Derek Carr over uh, over Aaron Rodgers. Don't do it. Don't overmanage, Luke. You're better than that. <laughs> what would Matthew Barry do? That's the real question. Um, Listen, I'm done talking about Matthew Barry. We're moving on. I'm done with that dude. That dude's a chump to me. <laughs> and he can block me, but I'll still say it on live air. You're a chump, dude. And you pick seven players. I'll pick seven. You want to do salary cap, whatever. We'll go $1,000 on one game, Matthew Barry. $1,000. I'll put my whole paycheck on it, a week's paycheck, okay? And we'll go $1,000, me versus you, mano y mano. I'll do it live here on Never Ending Glory Podcast. We'll do it live. Do it live. <laughs> yeah, screw um, it. We're doing it live. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You hear that, Matthew? Um, so, in conclusion, uh, I'm probably going to stick with Aaron Rodgers over Derek Carr just because Jacksonville's actually got a pretty solid secondary. But, uh, you know, Jerry, you might be going against the Red Rock and Andy Dalton on Sunday. Cause I like that. For all of our listeners, especially in Serbia, Jerry and I will be going head-to-head in the league from the Ville. I'm looking to go 5-2 and two while Jerry's looking to go, what, 2-5? and 3-4? and four? It's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Hey, let's get in some Week 7 Point Pounders. Um, Jerry, I want to hear yours. Who do you got? My week seven point pounder is uh, Julio Jones because they're going against the San Diego defense, and I'm just going to leave it right there. 
Uh, I could see Julio Jones get another 200-yard game and a double touchdown. Um, I would like you, you would like that. And I'm even saying that against my own squad. But, <laughs> but San Diego's defense is abhorrent. And that is it. Are you, are you trying to do a, a reverse jinx here? Yes, I am. You caught me red-handed. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, Mark, you got a good point, Ponder, for us this week? Yeah, let's go one at each position. I'll take quarterback Kirk Cousins is kind of a underground point pounder. I don't like to pick mainstream guys. I like Kirk Cousins <laughs> on the road at Detroit. He's going to put up some solid numbers. And I actually, I'll give you two at the quarterback position. I love Colin Kaepernick, who even in 14-team leagues is available. He's going against Tampa. And if you have good rushing numbers for quarterbacks in terms of your scoring system, Kaepernick's going to get you at least 20. So you're starting out at a really good area. If you have an Eli Manning who's going against the Rams in London, you don't want to watch him play in that game. You do not want to – do not let him start out your Sunday in a bad way. Start <laughs> Kaepernick, and he'll help you out a ton. You also okay. got You also have to love Giovanni Bernard against the, the Browns. Jeremy Hill's a little beat up, I've been reading. Giovanni Bernard always plays well against the, plays well against the Browns. I could see him getting six catches. If you're in a PPR league, Giovanni Bernard is a really good RB2 this week, in my opinion. Really like him. And then when it comes to when it comes to receivers, you know, who's going to be losing this week? Who's going to be down? That's the question you want to ask yourself. Uh, if, if, you know, are the Colts going to be down to the Titans? T.Y. Hilton, maybe. I don't know. I really like Amari Cooper this week against, against Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is going to be up seven, maybe two touchdowns. Oakland's going to have to chuck, chuck, chuck. That's going to open the game up for Amari Cooper, and he's going to have some nice numbers. So I'll go with Amari Cooper, even though he's a mainstream name, uh, as, a, <laughs> as a good point pounder as well. Okay, okay. So um, I'm going to take your uh, strategy here and go with a little off-the-cuff player that I think is going to have a big game. I'm going to say Alex Smith for the Chiefs. Going against the Saints. Listen, I know that it's Alex Smith, and he's a game manager. But he always seems to have one or two of those games a season where he finds a way to get three or four touchdowns, whether they're on the ground or through the air. Um, you know, 250, 300 yards. Between Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin, I just have a feeling that against New Orleans, who is, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league, um, I just, I just, I don't know. I have a good feeling with Alex Smith this week. I, I might actually take him in DraftKings as well, just to kind of get the uh, the cheap quarterback in order to make sure that I get more money to spend on the studs. And uh, then to go mainstream, uh, Demarco Murray going against the Colts. He struggled last week. Uh, the Tennessee running game struggled against the Browns, but I, I don't know. I like I like Demarco Murray this week. I got a good feeling about him. I think he's going to have a, a solid game uh, against the Colts. Try to find a way to get two touchdowns. Definitely see him going over 100 yards, though. Man, uh, they give him the ball a ton. Yes. My God. Power. Yes. I couldn't believe it. Burris, what would you think of the Jerry, what would you think of that? I agree. I mean, they really are giving it to him a lot. Like, it, it, It's a good choice. I, I, I would definitely say stick with him and you'll be fine. Yeah, you can't go wrong there, Luke. Yeah. Um, so we have a pretty uh, new segment that we're going to um, – debut here and um i'm pretty excited for it i have no idea where he's gonna go with it but we have a new segment here called mark's minute where we just let him go for about 60 seconds 
and uh, we'll make really sure. I'm really count the seconds here. We're going to really and, hold you back on uh, the and time. So, and so once he, he hits the 60 seconds, he's going to hear this noise. And he knows that it's it's time to uh, time to wrap it up. So, uh, Mark, we'll start the clock now. You can go in three, two, one, go, fellas. If you want to win in fantasy, and you're in a PPR league, welcome to the new age of not getting the running back that pounds the ball, and instead getting the running back that gets four to six catches. That's the way to do things now in fantasy. Don't clog your team's roster with running backs that are dependent on 15 rushes. If they're not getting catches, get rid of them. Find the guys that get catches, especially if you're in a PPR league. That's what I'm referring to here. Look at two guys, Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard. Who do you want more going down the stretch? Take Giovanni Bernard. It's not the easy choice. That's the guy that's going to get you catches, create more opportunities, and fill up the stat sheet. Get rid of the Eddie Lacy's. Get rid of the point pounders that just run the ball and get the guys that catch the ball and create points from more avenues. That's what I got to say. We're in. We're out. That's 10 seconds. Get W's. Wow. A lot of restraint there. Okay, not bad. He he literally literally hit sixty seconds, so that was good, Mark. Nice. Um, I like what I you're saying watch there. Up. I just stop watching. <laughs> I like what you're saying there. I agree with you. Um, I will say this though about the receiving backs. You know the the Geo Bernards. I feel like they have a much higher floor than your grinder Jeremy Hills, but you know it depends on the game flow. But more often than not. The, the point pound or the grinders, the Jeremy Hills, they're more likely to get the goal line touches over the, the scat backs. Uh, again, more often than not, it really depends on are they running a hurry-up offense? Um, are they trying to keep the defense on their toes? Um, it, it does vary, but usually I, I do shy away from if I want to have – if I'm in a league with an RB1, I want to make sure it's a guy who's going to get 15 to 20 touches a game as a point pound or grinder. Because I want the consistent points from him. However, with my RB2, I'm more prone to take a guy like Giovanni Bernard, Duke Johnson, um, Danny Woodhead when he was healthy. That's who I was targeting in, in those areas on draft night. Um, so I like that. That was good. Uh, Jerry, what are, your, what are your thoughts on the initial, the inaugural Marks Minute? I do worry when it's that open-ended, he could really veer off into something we weren't ready for. But that was actually very good. There was some restraint and there was some focus. It was well done. Well, it's like South Park. You know, Comedy Central gives South Park free reign to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. As long as they stay, they know what they can and can't say based on the censors. And you just have to have faith in them and trust them. So I trust Mark. Um, and so far, we're one for one. Thanks, Luke. That really that <laughs> warms my heart. Good Lord. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. Real boost of confidence there. All right, so two more things before we wrap it up. First thing, we're going to start a new segment, and it's probably going to be more of a – I'll post it on Facebook and Twitter. Um, We won't have time to record it because Matthew Berry comes out with his love-hate later on in the week. But I'm going to have Luke versus Matthew Berry every week where I'm going to take a look at who he loves and who he hates, and I'm going to see if I agree or disagree, and then we'll tally it up at the end of the week. This is just going to be the beginning of the uh, the, the NeverEnding Glory podcast and Matthew Berry feud. So um, we'll probably go down as one of the bigger – 
fantasy football feuds in the history of uh, you know fantasy football. Much like Biggie and Tupac, it'll be Matthew Barry versus Never Ending Glory podcast. Um, but hey, let's head up. So, <laughs> listener questions. If you find us on Twitter, Facebook, or email, then uh, ask a question. If we read it on air, then you are in the runnings for a T-shirt, and we posted those T-shirts on our Facebook page last week. And we got a bunch of positive responses from them. They do look good. Shout out to Buckeye Vodka. Thank you very much for the sponsorship. Our first ever sponsorship here at Never Ending Glory Podcast. Clean um, vodka. Clean <laughs> vodka. Drink local, baby. They have their, their beautiful logo right in the back of those shirts. They're great looking shirts. They're very comfortable, too, which I'm very excited about. Um, so, again, we'll get into these questions here. Josh from Manchester hit us up on Facebook. He said, Keeper dropped the Cincinnati defense. And what defense should he stream if he does drop Cincinnati? So this is a two-part question. Cincinnati's playing the Browns. The easy answer to that question is, uh, yeah, you should definitely start the, uh, the the Bengals against the Browns this week. Um, I mean, you guys, we can we really – I don't even say that you should stream anybody else because you should absolutely start the Browns. Yeah, I the Bengals. you should be Browns. definitely taking the Browns. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the Bengals against the Browns this week. If The one team, I think, if you wanted to go for a game matchup this week um, is the Redskins. I think if you need a one-game matchup against the, the Lions, this is a good week to use them. But that's about it. And they're not a top-10 defense. They're not, gonna, they're not a big turnover and score defense. But either stay with Cincinnati or uh, maybe pick up the Redskins. That would be my two cents. Right. Mark, you I, I like that burst. Yeah, what I like about- that. Uh, Josh, obviously from Panther country, the old Manchester A's there too. You got to start the Bengals this week. They haven't been lighting it up for you, <laughs> but but you got to start them this week. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, who knows when it comes to defenses altogether, but you got to kind of just – the best way to do defenses, instead of us telling you a team – to go with Josh, what you need to do is look at matchups. It's a matchup position and look at who they're playing weeks 14, 15, and 16. So if you know, for instance, you're four and two, you're going to be in the playoffs, AKA Mr. December. If you know that start looking at teams now ahead of the curve to say, man, I love who this team plays in weeks 14, 15, and 16. So then you have good playoff matches, matchups with your defense. And on the flip side of that, uh, look at the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, offensive players, because they have the Saints twice in weeks 14, 15, and 16. So uh, a nice little juicy matchup for them come playoff time. But when it comes to streaming defenses, if for whatever reason you don't want to start the um, the Bengals, I suggest looking into picking up Baltimore. They're playing against the Jets. They're playing Geno Smith. Ryan Fitzpatrick's been benched. Um Geno Smith isn't good at football, so or at least not at playing quarterback. So Baltimore have a solid defense, a veteran-based uh, defense. Eric Weddle back there leading the charge with Terrell Suggs out. So um, I like Baltimore as a pretty safe defense. I don't think they're going to be the top-scoring D this, year, this week, but they should be pretty solid and at least get you close to double-digit points. They, they won't be one of those defenses that loses you a week, which that's always very, very frustrating. Um, Dave from Lakewood. He said, what rookie outside of Ezekiel Elliott is the best keeper in my dynasty league? So we have a bunch of I, – I, I listed five of the top rookies other than Zeke here, and I want to hear you guys debate real quick on who you think is the best to keep. And Obviously, it depends on roster construction, but 
we'll just say in a vacuum, who do you think is the best long-term fantasy option? We have Dak Prescott, Corey Coleman, Hunter Henry, Will Fuller, and Carson Wentz. Jerry, I'll let you start this one off. Who is your favorite rookie outside of Zeke? Um, of the, that list, I'm definitely going to go with uh, Dak Prescott. Um, I think his upside is better than Carson Wentz's because he's got a system in place that he's already being successful with, and he doesn't have the threat of Tony Romo after this year. I think Tony Romo's in his last year here. Now, Carson Wentz is an easy easy answer. I'm going with a little bit tougher one, but I think Carson Wentz, the tape will get be out there. They're going to pick up on him a little bit, and he doesn't have the weapons that he has um, in Dallas um, and pair that with their offensive line. I think next two or three years, if you you know run the <clears throat> excuse me, if you if you run the whole future projections out, I'm going to take Dak Prescott over Carson Wentz. Who do you like, Mark? Well, I'll tell you this right now, Dave from Lakewood. You said Luke. Oh yeah, great question, Dave. First and foremost, and I'll tell you this: whether he's not playing or not right now, you got to like Corey Coleman, Dave, because he's going to get matchups. Because right now you have. Terrell Pryor on the right side, he's going to get the big corners, the strong corners. Corey Coleman's going to be freed up on the backside, playing clean football, running some solid routes for them, and he's going to get some catches, and he'll come back pretty strong too. So Corey Coleman's huge. And I'm telling you, I watched this kid last week. Hunter Henry is a beast. He's awesome. I love this guy for a tight end. If you got him in your dynasty draft in the second round of the rookie draft, you just made out. He is in a tight end system, so I really like Hunter Henry. I don't know what's holding Hunter Henry back right now. Get Antonio Gates is done. Get rid of him. And if you've owned Antonio Gates in fantasy, you know yeah. exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Get him out of there. Hunter I'm trying. Making plays. And most of all, Hunter Henry looked confident in that game on Sunday. I was, I was really impressed with them. So, Dave, I look for Corey Coleman. Hunter Henry, and don't don't sleep on Derrick Henry either because he's in a good running system. And DeMarco Murray's contract will be the, – the team's going to drop him at the end of next year the way that contract's set up, and that will free in Derrick Henry in year three to really get some big-time carries. No, I and what's really great about this is that I'm – you know, you guys all had great content on all four of the, the guys that you – I'm going to – all four, four of the five guys here on this list – I'm now going to talk about who I want to keep, and I keep Will Fuller. Um, Fuller's shown that even with mediocre quarterback play, he's a difference maker on the outside. He's a burner. Um, he's come as advertised where he's going to drop a ball or two, but um, when he's been in the game, when he's been healthy, he's he's battling a, a, a pulled hamstring right now. Kept him out of the game last week, and hopefully he'll allow him to be 100% this week. But um, when Will Fuller's in the game and he's right, he is – He's the new Deshaun Jackson. I mean, what we saw from Deshaun Jackson early on in his career was one of the best deep threat wide receivers in the league, uh, a la Mike Wallace as well. Um, I see a lot of that in Will Fuller, and uh, I, I would like to hold on to Fuller moving forward because I think he is going to be a borderline wide receiver one as he grows into a true receiver in the NFL. Um, so so good content there, fellas. Good. I, I'm hoping Dave from Lakewood – gets a lot out of that but i mean there's there's a bunch of good rookies this year um and and i'll tell you mark having antonio gates here is very very frustrating uh starting julius thomas a, over him is better 
we should have an all frustrating team starting <laughs> at quarterback Eli Manning, starting at running back Rashard Jennings, starting <laughs> at tight end Antonio Gates. Yeah, I mean we could. Th- that's a good. Maybe we'll keep that for the future. All right, I like that. That'll Halfway be that'll be the season. We, we got a season. We got a midseason report coming up on the Never Ending Glory podcast here in the next few weeks as we hit uh, midway through the the regular season, which it feels like yesterday we were just doing our drafts. Um, but time flies when you're having fun. Final question from James in Atlanta. Big Syracuse fan as well. Big fan of the Syracuse field hockey, women's field hockey team. He asked me, does Matthew Berry even like you, Luke? And the easy answer to that is no. So I don't I think that's Syracuse has a men's field hockey team. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, they Man, might. This, this, this Luke and Matthew Berry thing is kind of getting to like Mike and Mike. And you know how like Greenberg always talks about the Jets to a point where you 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 can't stand it and you're done with it. This Luke Matt Berry thing's getting there. It, he, <laughs> it, he really like you're going back to this. Well, you know, we, we, it, it's still fresh. I think this will be uh, probably the last time I really expand on it. Um, I do want to have have the the Luke versus Matthew Berry segment every week though, and see how I would stand up to this this industry titan in the fantasy football industry um but you know hey it is what it is so fellas that was our week six recap and week seven preview you guys got anything else to say about this upcoming week in fantasy football and the nfl good luck luke i hope you do a really good job with your team I'm looking forward to the battle simply (laughs) simply ravishing versus deniska's diarrhea it's a battle that, you know, it, it's it's Ohio State-Michigan in a sense where Burst might not make the playoffs. His team might be going down the pooper. But guess what? If he gets this W, Luke cannot really talk smack to him because Luke can say whatever he wants. Jerry's got the right power, and that's I beat you. Take it. Deal with it. And, in fact, what I would do, Jerry, is i just hit him with the score. If he came at you and you beat him, I'd say 137 to 109. And I just I leave it at that. That's that's your right bower, buddy. I gotta say, if if I lose to uh, to Russ Phillips and Jerry Burris in back to back weeks, I might uh, I might have to hang him up. That's just that's too much to come back from. I, I'd like to install a bet with with this matchup. I say the loser has to write a poem about the other person and how beautiful <laughs> they are. Deal. It's got to be done. It's got to be eight Red to ten here. lines. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, you don't hey, understand. Hey, I won. I won the poetry award in junior year of uh, English class. This is <laughs> done. So, so virtual handshake that we need to write. The loser writes a poem about how great the other person is, not only at fantasy football but at life. Done. <laughs> and that is, and that is the opening. That is the opening to next week's episode. That is it. Right to it. No introductions. Good job. Read that poem. I like that. Right. Uh, that's fantastic. All right, virtual handshake, Jer. Done. I see no better way to end this episode. Uh, find us on Twitter, at Glory Podcast, on Facebook, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, Never Ending Glory Podcast, Drink Buckeye Vodka, check out DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Jerry, get your pen and quill out. Get ready to write a beautiful poem about me and my good looks. God. We out. How do you? This is you, when the cream rises, baby. What Get rhymes the W's with, in? What rhymes with male pattern baldness? <laughs>